I said to them, wait, wait. So I bought the SIM card at the airport in Beijing, told them I'm moving to Guangzhou, and they said it was fine, but it's registered to Foshan. How does this make sense? <laughs> <laughs> Sort of the red pill generation. At this stage, I'm sure you guys have been enjoying the many episodes we've uploaded. You know, I'm a, I was a month ahead of time at this stage and all this stuff. That's how productive I am, son. In China, son. As you know me, it's Cafe Mocha, sexy, sultry. And I'm joined by my co-host. I am your lovable Jew. My name is Tess. I might sound a bit tired right now. That's because I was up all night last night with a very, very sexy Vietnamese girl. Coming to you live from Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam, and Mocha is back in Guangzhou in China, and no more in Zambia. And so, Mocha, you want to talk about uh, what's going on on the podcast today? Yeah, essentially, this episode is long overdue. Like, uh, you know, I've been in China now for going on like almost seven months, and you know, I've said it many times in previous episodes. Yeah, next episode is going to be me talking about my experiences in China. Well, we just never did it, and you know, part of it is just you know being busy. It is what it is. But uh, I smell excuses. Than... What happened to being productive, huh? Hey, I was productive. I was, I was, I was making that. I was stacking those, Mister Mao, son. I Mr. Don't what? Those. What is like? You keep saying that, Mister Mao. Is that what the the fucking bills are called? Gen- Gen- General Mao, you know. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, now I think of General Mao. All I think about is General Tsao chicken. I know that's hugely racist, but anyways, <laughs> moving on. So I don't stack dollars anymore. I stack Mr. Mao's, homie. <laughs> I'm making rain with Mao's in the club. Anyways, <laughs> anyways, uh, what was it? Okay, so yeah, it's better late than never. So, anyways, this episode is going to be me analyzing and testing myself, analyzing my experiences in China. Um, you know, basically. Why I moved here? What's happened since I've plans for the future? You know what I've learned and just general observations. So I guess uh, let's start. Without further ado, yeah, let's get to uh, it. All right. So do you wanna? Do you have a question for me? Yeah. So let's uh, let's start like way, way, way at the beginning because event- originally you were in Toronto, obviously. Um, yeah. So why did you decide first of all to move to? China and then specifically Guangzhou. Well, I mean, I touched. I think I explained it before, in the, like in the previous episode. I explained exactly what I wanted to do, uh, probably even more than once. And just a quick overview. It was just basically, you know, I was in Toronto, and I love Toronto. It's my home, but I was comfortable, which is always a bad sign if you're somebody who's trying to grow. I was comfortable, and I just didn't really see much in terms of the way. In, in, in terms of me uh, doing something entrepreneurship-based. Not that Toronto is a bad place to be an entrepreneur. Of course, it's an amazing place to be an entrepreneur. But you need to have money. And, you know, me being coming out of school, and I don't really want to ask my parents for more money or any of that. They helped me with school and everything. And I was working. Everything was fine. But I just saw that China is where the world is going. 90% of all the products are made here, specifically in and around Guangzhou. Uh, Guangdong province, which I've explained before, and you know, it just it just made sense, and it also f- fulfilled another aspect, which is, you know, the whole, uh, you know, international expat digital nomad, uh, you know, entrepreneurship vibe of being able to go to Southeast Asia and start something, and of course, the thing is, in China, you can live on a thousand dollars a month and be extremely comfortable, have a nice apartment, have a nice place, uh, eat out live downtown, go on dates, uh, you know, be fashionable, whatever it is that you like doing, go to the gym, and you have an amazing life while being on such a small budget and then also being able to start a business and working part-time as an English teacher, you know, which is what I wanted to do. So that's that was the gist of it. And I won't go into specifically what company, what exactly I wanted to do in terms of the company, but I did want to go into sourcing uh, for my my parents' business, and then yeah. also... Just to, sorry, actually, just to quickly interrupt, 
interrupt you. I uh, just wanted to mention that you're talking about the digital nomad thing. So we're going to also do an episode talking about digital nomadry, the benefits, what you can do, what's out there. Um, but obviously for this one, we're going to stick more to Mocha's story about uh, Guangzhou, China, and his uh, adventures so far. So, sorry, keep going. Right. So, yeah, I mean, the reason why I picked Guangzhou is because of the manufacturing aspect, and that's what my family does, is manufacturing. And, uh, yeah, like, I wanted to help out my parents with their business and possibly take it over and see, see what I could do with that. And then also being in China, you know, just having discovered Enter China beforehand, and also, like I said, my parents' business. Oh yeah, enter enter China. Okay. How did uh, where did that come from? You got a you got a membership, didn't you? Well, I mean, uh, are you asking me how I discovered it, or that, that I got a, men- a membership? <laughs> no, I'm asking you to plug your friends for getting you a membership to enter China. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I would have said something. Relax, man. <laughs> no, I want so, I want my credit. No, well, just relax. When I was going to say, I was going to talk about before I left. Oh yeah, you know these guys. These guys got me a membership for into China before I left as a present, as a going away present. Uh, most of the red coat guys, which you all know. Yeah. Do you want to talk about? Uh, do you want to talk about what Enter China is now, or do you want to leave that until a bit later on? No, that's 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 going to come at the end. It's, that's a long. It's very long. Mm. I, I don't want to talk about them because my perspective of Enter China. It's like what? So, uh, anyways, uh, where, where did I leave off? I got interrupted. Yeah, I interrupted you. Um, you were talking about your original plan with sourcing and then why you moved to Guangzhou and then what happened afterwards. Yeah, so that, you know, that's what I wanted to do is, is work on my parents' business and then see what other businesses I could find when I got here. And then also being comfortable you know, while working part-time and stuff like that. So yeah, I decided to make the, make the leap. There's nothing holding me back in Toronto. I don't have a girlfriend. I don't have a mortgage. Well, I don't have a wife. Even if I had a girlfriend, that wouldn't hold me back. <laughs> yeah, but I remember a certain lady was kind of sad that you were leaving, but you were kind of like, ah, it is what it is. Uh, I won't talk about girls for now. This is a business episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was going to say, I, I had like one question I was going to be like, ask you about girls, otherwise we'll stick to business. But uh, actually... I'm going to stick to business. We can always talk about girls in another episode. Yeah, well, that's actually an important question. So... Um, for those who don't know, because I don't exactly remember if we mentioned this specifically in the Sam Oriel episodes, but um, that whole weekend was right before Mocha left to China. So it was another friend's birthday celebration, but also Mocha going to China, kind of like our going away, well, going away said, celebration. Yeah, we, said, we said that at the beginning of the Montreal Christmas. Okay, just to check. But um, obviously, you're kind of biased in terms of how you felt coming off of that weekend. But when you're leaving Toronto, you're packing, you're getting ready to go to China, like, what was your general feeling? Like, were you excited? Were you nervous? Were you just a whole mess? What was going on? To be honest, man, uh, I never, I was not nervous at all. Um, I wasn't nervous at all. I was purely excited, purely, you know, driven, determined. That's, that's basically how I was feeling. I was just looking at the future. Because it's, it's not the first time I've moved halfway across the world, so it was not... It was not like a something terrifying for me. It was not anything that I hadn't done before. Yeah, you sound like such a baller. It's not the first time I moved halfway across the world. I do this all the time, son. I do this all the time. <laughs> yeah, but it's not my. It wasn't my first rodeo, man. Like I, I can't lie about it. I traveled a lot when I was younger. I was fortunate enough to have been born into a family that could afford to do that. And then I moved. To, I moved to the states when I was ten. Uh, moved back to Zambia when I was twelve, and then moved to Canada when I was sixteen. So it's. And I did most of that by myself. So it was just one of those things where I'm like, okay, it's another adventure. The only difference is I'm going to China where they don't speak Mandarin. I mean, they don't speak English. They only speak Mandarin and Cantonese. Mm. But in terms of just leaving everything behind and not knowing anyone where I'm going, it was not the first time I did that. So I was just I was purely excited because I really felt at that stage, and I feel like that right now. I was like, look, I'm 22. You know, uh, I'm, I'm highly ambitious, and it just feels like China is the right place for me to go if I want to make money. Yeah, and, yeah, makes uh, sense. It's kind of like a, a small juxtaposition between me and you, because, like, for example, me moving to Vietnam was the first international move I did, so I was mostly anxious going there. But then, like, when I, once I got here, I started hanging out with people, I started to see all the opportunity, then I got really excited. Um, yeah. But let's, let's talk about... Okay, so... 
You came from Canada. You landed in Guangzhou. What was your feeling when you got to the airport? You got off the plane, and what was your general feeling in the first, I guess, week or two? And and what did you see? Can you talk about that? Yeah. So I mean, it was a long trip.、Um, my past traveling experiences have taught me that what I do now before I travel, I try to stay up as late as possible the night before I go, so that when I get on the plane, I can sleep. Because I can't sleep otherwise. If I if I have a normal night, if I have a good night's rest before I sleep, then before I travel, then I won't be able to sleep on the plane. So you know, it's a long flight. You know,、uh, Montreal, Vancouver, Vancouver,、uh, Beijing, Beijing, Guangzhou.、Um, you know, I, I I get to Beijing. I'm in the airport. I get flagged by some person who's like, "Hey, do you want to buy a、uh, SIM card?" I'm like, "Fuck it, why not?" I bought a SIM card. To make a long story short, that SIM card I bought in Beijing. I asked them if it's okay because I'm moving to Guangzhou. They said it's fine. Once I got to Guangzhou, I wanted to change something about my SIM card. I wanted to change my plan, and I went to the cell phone shop, and they said your SIM card is registered to Foshan, which is another city, <laughs> like another city two hours away from Guangzhou.、Hmm. And said I can't change anything unless I go to a shop in Foshan. Oh,、so、that's, like, well, that's great. <laughs> I said to them, "Wait, wait!" So I bought the SIM card at the airport in Beijing. Told them I'm moving to Guangzhou, and they said it was fine. But it's registered to Foshan. How does this make sense? <laughs> <laughs> That's like your your first like small ass fucking from China. Yeah, the, and but that one was like maybe two two or three months after I bought the SIM card, I realized fucked me over. Well, it's, it's not a big deal. But yeah, I bought the SIM card. I'm chilling in Beijing. Then I get to Guangzhou. I think I got to Guangzhou. Oh, I was fucking exhausted. I remember this so clear. It was like、uh, it was about eleven p.m. You know, I go through customs, everything went smoothly. And at the time,、um, I was I had already booked a hotel. I booked three nights at this hotel for about twenty bucks a night, which was which was pretty cheap, and it was a nice place actually. But I'm thinking, I'm trying to figure out. Okay, I want to take the metro. I didn't want to take a cab. <clears throat> Especially, I just I didn't want to get fucked over by a cab or anything like that. So when I get to the, the airport and I'm walking through the the, the exit area and I'm asking, oh, how do I get to the metro?、And、they're like, no, the metro is closed. So I'm like, fuck. And you know, they they, they make me. I'm, I'm standing there. They're like, oh, do you want to buy a SIM card? I'm like, no, I've already got a SIM card. I want to take a taxi. Oh, we'll call a car for you. I'm like, I don't need you. I don't need you to call me a car. I just want to take a taxi. They're like, no. If you take a taxi right now, these guys won't know where you're going, or they will fuck you over, or something like that. So I'm like, fuck. I'm way too tired for this. To make a long story short, I took basically like a hired, like a private town car, and paid how much? I paid like a hundred dollars to get from the airport to my hotel. Since now,、uh, since then, I've realized that I should have probably paid about. About forty、uh, dollars, at the most, you know.、And、this is another one of those things. Like I was so exhausted at the time that I didn't give a fuck. So anyways, I get to、um, I get to the hotel, pass out. The next morning, woke up really early.、Uh, I went to the reception, and I just asked them how do I I need to buy a few things in terms of like I need to get like an adapter for my laptop. And you know, I took the metro for the first time. So now, I when I woke up, I got out of my hotel, and I realized I was like in this small part of the city, some sort of like village, not like in the city center, but like a little village in the city center. And it was kind of cool. I, I didn't mind it, you know, because like I was like, okay, this is not this is not what you expect to find in the metro. I liked that it was different. I liked that you know I wasn't necessarily like in a downtown type area, but it was so clear that it was like. This black dude walking through, <laughs> walking through our fucking village. You know, it was like, well, what's going on here? But you know, I get to the city center and it was chaotic. You know, where I went to, I was so chaotic. I remember, it was like, I get out of the metro and I'm in the shopping mall and I see electronics here, electronics there, computer repair, all this stuff. And I knew that I needed to go to one of these kiosks, one of these shops. But there was so many people pulling at me. Hey, come here. Hey, boss. I was like, fuck. I just. I felt the sense of like a little bit of paranoia, and I felt claustrophobic, and I was like, "Fuck this!" I I <laughs> I saw Starbucks, and I'm like, "Ha ha!" <laughs> <laughs> That's like the exact same thing that happened to me in Hong Kong after like everyone was pestering me 
for like rooms and this and selling Rolex and then I saw Starbucks and I'm like, I'm just going to work. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, okay, I'm running to Starbucks and I went to get the, I went to get my usual, you know, uh, uh, what's this strawberry passion tea no passion tea lemonade and I was like, Oh, okay. I can breathe, you know, I like, uh, people speak English here and no one's grabbing at me. <laughs> And then, uh, so I took a, I took a breather. I texted a few people. I think I texted you guys. Just let you know that I was, I was like, I'd arrived in Guangzhou and everything. And then I bought my adapter, um, got the fuck out of there. But my first couple, my first week in Guangzhou was like, it's interesting because I barely, when I was in, when I was in Toronto, I barely ate McDonald's and KFC and stuff. I'll probably eat them like once a month or, you know, maybe a couple times a month if I had gone out and I was fucking wasted and it was one of the only options but in Guangzhou I just found like the first week that I was here it was almost like a, a comfort thing where I was yeah I was gonna say it's like a familiarity thing but like yeah with like the first week or so it was mostly exploration for you right because I remember I got like a lot of pictures from you taking taking stuff around the city you were just kind of like exploring what was in Guangzhou right yeah, pretty much. You know, I was I was exploring what was in Guangzhou. I reached out to I reached out to the VC people, and I was like, "Who's in Guangzhou?" And then I met up with this guy called uh, I shouldn't say his name. Actually, uh, does it matter? Well, no, I shouldn't say his name. Anyways, I met up with this this black dude from I'll call him I'll say Bronx. I'll call him Bronx. Black dude from New York. So I met up with Bronx, and you know, he just basically it felt like a movie. It felt like one of those movies where you know, this guy, some dude, like, gets sent to a foreign country against his will, and then he gets off the plane, and then he meets, like, some guy who's been living in that country for a long time, and knows, like, all these shortcuts, and <laughs> just takes him through the city, like, oh, okay, over here, you're gonna get your haircut, over there, if you want to change money, over there, like, <laughs> if you want to get some bitches, or to take you around this corner, like, I was like, holy shit, oh, okay, wait, let me take notes. Yeah, I was gonna say, let me write all this shit down, let me start for later. <laughs> Yeah, and this this was the same guy, or was it like the the form in general that helped you find an apartment, or was it just this guy? Yeah, okay. So I should say one of my first challenges when I got to China was I went to my university. The way I got to China is I got a student visa. It was supposed to be an X one visa, which is one year. Um, and the plan was I was going to come to China, and that was just to get me here. And then I was going to study Chinese for about six months. Well, I sort of understood, got to know the country, got to know the culture before I then decided to like change my visa and get like a business visa or something like that. So um, I get to the school and I was actually supposed to be staying at the school, but I, you know, they emailed me like literally like the day when I was leaving and they said, oh, uh, uh, because like, um, because I like obviously I have an African name, they were like, uh, you know, all the African students. I don't remember what Pretty it was. much, they were like, "You have Ebola, fuck off." Yeah, that was what it was. I don't remember. What, you know, we're gonna push you a semester because of Ebola, and I'm like, "Dude, I'm coming from. I haven't been to Africa in like fucking four years. The fuck are you talking about? I live in I live in Toronto. You sent my application, my acceptance letter to Toronto. My visa is from Toronto. Like, and they're like, "Oh no, there's nothing we can do about it at this stage, and whatever." And I, and I, I physically got here. That's why I was in the hotel, and then I went to the school, and the school just basically said, there's nothing we can do about it. So I was like, okay, fuck, I guess I can't stay on campus, which was my original plan, and I'd saved up, I had saved up enough money for me to live in China for about three or four months, based on me living on campus, because if I was living on campus, my rent would have been $200 a month. Um, so now I, I'm like, okay, fuck, I have to get an apartment, and I reached out to the EC guys as well. And I just explained my situation, and they gave me a ton of resources, specifically gzstuff.com, which is essentially Craigslist. And um, this is GZ Stuff and GZ Classifieds. GZ Stuff is like Craigslist. GZ Classifieds is also like Craigslist, except specifically geared towards uh, like apartments and jobs, right? classified ads. So these are classifieds. I reached out. I checked there, and I just emailed a ton of people. I spent you know, these like six hours just emailing people, emailing like websites, getting in contact with agents and all this stuff. And I about the second or third day, I was just visiting apartments, visiting apartments. I got two apartments in a day, and then I just ended up picking 
uh, one that was in my budget, but also it was shitty because in China, unlike Canada, Canada you pay two months rent, you know, the deposit and then the first month's rent. In China you have to pay three months rent, which is two months deposit and then the first month's rent. And then on top of that, there's other things that they require you to pay, which is like there's a man management fee, which is every month. It's not a lot. It's probably like $25 or $30 and for the internet for the year, which is also not a lot. It's about $100. But if you come together, like my rent right now is $330. So I have to pay one thousand. I had to pay nine hundred and ninety for my rent, and then another hundred dollars for the deposit. I mean, for the internet, and then another like thirty dollars for my management fee. So my original budget for three four months in China was about two thousand dollars, um, based on me living on campus, right? And, you know, this basically ate half of my, my budget, right? Yeah, it's a um, similar thing in Vietnam, though. Like, um, for my, my condo slash apartment, so I had to pay first, like, my rent, then two months deposit, plus fees for utilities every month, which is internet, water, and electricity. And then, well, included my rent as a management fee, but it's the same thing. So, yeah, I get your struggle. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, I also had my other plan, which is uh, because I would be working for my parents, I was also going to get a salary. But I had actually told them at the beginning that you don't need to pay me my salary until I get established because I wouldn't really be doing much in the first month month or two months. I'd really just be acclimatizing. So I didn't want them to just waste money sending me a salary and I'm not doing anything for the company. But based on these events, I told them, hey, you guys have to fucking pay me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was just my first impressions were just, okay, the city is vast, it's huge, it's gigantic, it's like three or four times the size of Toronto. And then, you know, the buildings themselves, like in Toronto, average skyscraper, you know, I can't really describe the size in terms of width, but in Guangzhou, the average skyscraper is probably about two or three Toronto buildings put together, you know. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> it's just, it's crazy. And then there's also space, There's not, like Toronto is a little bit cramped, when you go into downtown Toronto, like, there's not that much space between the roads. Like the roads are small, the walkway is small. In Guangzhou, the walkway is the size of like a fucking two-lane highway, you know. And then the road itself is probably four lanes. And then on the other side, you have you know the same thing. So it was just crazy to see the amount of the amount of space that they have on top of the amount of buildings that are here, the amount of development. Yeah, it's like the pure pure infrastructure and growth going on in Asia, even. Well, China is like a huge thing. In Vietnam, I see it, but yeah, I can imagine in China, it's just like growing. You can feel it growing all the time. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's an area in Guangzhou. Insert sexual joke here, by the way. <laughs> uh, there's an area in Guangzhou called Tianhe, which translates to uh, Tian River, Han River. It, five years ago, I came to Guangzhou, and there was nothing there. It was, it was just a village. Cut to five years later, that's literally the size of downtown Toronto. So imagine downtown Toronto being built in... Put that into perspective. Like, that's, it's crazy. That's, that's ridiculous. You know, the buildings in Toronto, you know, even the apartment complex, that, the apartment area that I was in, the city place, all those condos, they had a project there, which is about, uh, I think, about 10 condos, which were supposed to be built in about four years. They were behind... You know, they, they were taking like seven, eight years to do that. In China, all of those buildings that have been built in, in like six months or yeah. a year. Yeah. So let's um right. let's let's maybe jump a bit. Um because I remember you telling me kind of like when you got to Guangzhou, obviously you're taking care of all the stuff, you gotta find a place to live. Um yeah. but you did a fair amount of partying and you had to meet some friends, right? Were most of the friends like how did you meet all your friends? Was it through Enter China or cause you started hanging out with Danish guys, right? Uh, Dutch. Dutch, okay, yeah. So where did you meet uh, these guys? Because obviously one of the big things when you, well, when you travel in general, but also when you uh, you move internationally is you don't know anyone. So if you don't find anyone, you're either going to be kind of relying on people from home, which isn't good because then you're kind of still living at, still living in the same place you left, but also you can get really lonely, and also if you have any problems, you're kind of screwed. So... 
how did you like meet the friends you hang out with? Well, you know, the the, go- the cool thing about us right now is that we have all these resources. Before is like I feel sorry for the average person because the average person doesn't realize how many resources resources there are out there. Like on the internet, you know, for example, Rushvi Forum. You know, uh, just the people that you know, if you, if you network, this kind of stuff. When I, before I left Toronto, I was networking, I was going to, uh, I was going to networking events, meeting people, meeting people in China. And then uh, I reached before, I reached out to a few people before I left. <clears throat> and then Enter China as well, you know, that's another resource, mastermind forum, right? And then GZ uh, stuff, when I moved into my apartment, the first week that I was here, uh, my roommate just told me, bar called Perry's, you know, it's like a, sort of like a student bar, and a ton of foreigners go there, so I went to Perry's, obviously I'd met people from DC at this stage, I'd also been connected with some of the guys from, from, from Rushi, but I went to Perry's and I met, literally my first night there, I was just, I, my plan was like, I'm just going to go there, check, I wanted to see it, my roommate wasn't going to come with me, and I said, fuck it, I'm going out alone, I'm in China, I want to touch the city. And I let them know I'm here, son. <laughs> so I went there and I just stood by the bar with a, with a bucket of whiskey and coke. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's <laughs> like, oh man, what's this black guy doing with this big bucket? We got to go see. Let's investigate. Yeah, I, you know, I went there looking sexy as usual. And I'm sitting there, with a, standing there with a bucket of whiskey and coke, just hanging out by the bar. And then whenever people come by the bar, just be like, hey, what's up? You know, just strike up a conversation. So I, like, I talked to like some chick from Ireland. Some Scottish British chick, she gave me her phone number. I talked to some Chinese dude who spoke kind of <laughs> it was hilarious. It was the first time I had experience with drunk uh, Chinese people in China where there was a group of guys. The thing about Chinese guys is I don't know why, but they just drink they cannot handle the alcohol. I don't know what goes on with these guys. So these guys I, I think they felt like they were in a Ben Walder movie and were like, Oh dude, Oh, awesome! <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so racist because I can see them like having really bad accents saying something like yeah. that. I five. I five. sounds like Borat, but nice. Except you yeah, need an Asian like, accent. I don't know how you do that. I I was like, uh, no, that's not that's not what we do. <laughs> You know, so those guys were there, those guys were cool. The guy came out to me, I love a foreigner! I love America! I was like, hey, but I'm not from America. Yeah, it's like, all right, calm the fuck down. Fuck down, yeah. Zip your pants back up. Yeah, so I met uh, this Danish guy comes over with a Danish girl, and again, I just, hey, what's up? And they turned out to be students, also their first week in China, and they invited me to their table. At their table was a couple other people from, like, it was a dude from Holland who ended up being one of my closest friends, and then there was a couple other people, so that's how I met the people, man, my first week, just being cool, just, I went to a bar, it's a funny, it's not even a funny story, it's like, I met my friends at a bar, and those guys became my, my nexus of guys right now, most of those guys were from Paris, right, and yeah, the, I guess I was surprised to a certain extent, because when I first moved to Toronto, it took me a very long time, it took me three years to, to meet the, the group, the solid group of guys that I hang out with right now. Mm-hmm. In China, it took me a week, you know, less than a week. Yeah, well, it's like, you, you told me, it's like when I came to Toronto, I met pretty much everyone in the first week. I met, uh, well, Ash, I met him when he came back from his uh, abroad trip, like four months later, but I met, you know, you and Bald Russian and all those guys kind of like the first week. So, you know, like, uh, my advice to anybody would be, like, if you're traveling, just use as many resources as you can. Like, reach out to the people that have been maybe to that part of the world before. Uh, You know, obviously, when you move into an apartment, you're going to move into, you might move in with somebody, another foreigner who's been here before, and use that person. And then there's, there's forums, man. There's expat forums that I didn't even use because I didn't see the point of using the expat forums is, you know, and stuff like that, which is pretty simple to to uh, uh, to find people, right? So it's, it's not that difficult. And of course, if you're into self improvement, like we are, we've developed personalities that are attractive. So my friends, from the first time they hung out with me, they wanted to hang out with me again. 
you know, maybe when I was when I was a nervous, awkward guy, six, six seven, no, six years ago, four years ago, maybe they wouldn't have wanted to hang out with me. So it's a combination of that, right? Yeah. Um, so then the next the next real challenge that I had was because the school rejected me, I had to now change my visa. Yeah, I was actually so, going to ask. Um... Because, you, you know, Mocha has has complained a lot to us guys and me about the visas and the red tape. And, you know, you talked about that in the, the four things you learned from China about the red tape. So, yeah, maybe you talk about, like, because you said you had an X1 visa. What visa you changed to and how pissed off the visa process makes you. And how and also the concept of what a China Day is. Explain that. Okay, I'll start with a China Day. A China Day, I think I, I talked about a China Day in, in the four, four things I learned from China. I didn't actually call it a China Day. But a China Day is just a day where, you know, everything just goes wrong. Like somebody will tell you, tomorrow you need to go to the visa office and present these documents and then uh, pay X amount of money and everything is going to be great. So you wake up on time, you get to the visa office, and they tell you, no, you're missing this document, you need to go to this other office, which is halfway across the city, and close in like 30 minutes. And you go there, and you go to the other office, and they say, oh, they sent you here, you need to get another document, uh, go to the fourth floor, and <laughs> get this other document. You go to the fourth floor, they're like, oh yeah, pay us 10 bucks for this document, and then you get that document, you go back down, oh sorry, we're closed for the, we're closed for the day, come back tomorrow. Come back tomorrow, they tell you, hey, uh, you're missing another document. Why didn't you tell me that yesterday? Oh, we didn't see that yesterday. You go and get that other document, you get all the stuff, you need to make a photocopy of your passport, get some more with a receipt. And you do all of these things, and you're like trying to keep it together. Then you go back to the visa office, and again, they tell you, oh, you know, you're missing your police report. You, why, why didn't you fucking tell me that I needed a police report? <laughs> was there ever a time where you just wanted to slap these people in the face, or were you really like good at keeping your cool? I was no, I, I never, I never get to that stage. Like I'm pretty, pretty calm and pretty collected. But I felt it inside. Like I felt pissed. I felt, I just felt like those two parts. I felt frustrated and I felt pissed off. But then at the same time, I have this perspective that you're not going to help yourself if you flip out at the visa guy. It's just not going to help your situation. It's just pointless. Right? And mind you, I had an agent this whole time, but my agent clearly did not know what the fuck she was doing. So now I'm looking at my agent, I'm like, why am I paying you? You know, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> it's like and the look of condescension. Hey, you're useless. Fuck off. Yeah, so China Days is one of those. And then at the end of the day, you just feel, you feel like you've been awake for 48 hours straight and you feel drained. That's a China Day. You know, um, and that happens from time to time. It happens less to me now. Um, I think I've only had one China day since I've been back. But that time period, I used to have a China day like every fucking three, four days, you know, when I was dealing with my visa stuff. So I, I basically changed from an X1 to an X2. Um, I used another university. Uh, an X2 is six months. And it's only it's a single entry. It's a shitty part about an X2. So I used another another university, and that, that was pretty. It was a pretty straightforward process. Besides all the madness in the in the visa office. Uh, hold on, my roommate just came in. I might have to move. Hold on, I'll probably move to my room. Yeah. All right. Okay. So keep <laughs> keep talking about uh, the the X one and X two visa and the differences. Yeah, so uh, I left off. The X two is a six month visa, right? And the X two is a six month visa, and uh, the X one is is a, is a one is a one year visa, and the X two is single entry. So that's the only shitty part about it. But the good thing is I got it, and it was uh, relatively easy. I just paid. I basically paid the university. I didn't even fill out an application to the university. Um, I guess that's what my agent did. And uh, yeah, that was it. I got my visa in about two weeks, and um, I, was, I was good to go. So after that, my challenge was, okay, I have an apartment now, I've got the right visa, I need to get a fucking job. Because I was like, you know, I was hemorrhaging money. Like I, the first month that I was here, you know, I, I, I partied and stuff like that, of course. But 
I partied and stuff like that, of course. Uh, hold on a second. Yeah, I partied and stuff like that because I need to meet people. Like, it was almost like I would have loved to have been, Of course, I was in a new city and I, I wanted to experience everything and I wanted... But I also thought to form these relationships and make these relationships, solidify these relationships before I can then go, oh, guys, hey, I'm just going to peace off for like two weeks, focus on trying to get a job and, and work and, and stuff like that, right? So, I mean, I, I was on a shoestring. I said I was burning through the money that I'd saved. And also, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't really asking for a huge pay uh, salary from, from my family business, right? So I, I didn't really feel like I could justify it at that stage. So I was like, yeah, I really needed to get a money, a money, a job. And of course, like the big, the big things in the city is like language barrier and all these things were just general things that I was struggling with. And uh, my job search, uh, I just was applying for jobs online. I found this sort of like um, agency that connects people to connects people, uh, foreign teachers to the local schools that don't speak English at all. So it was pretty good. Like th that guy, those group that I have on WeChat where they just post up jobs like every day. They post up like three or four jobs and it's really just up to you to like reach out and, and, and try and get the interviews. Were so you I really like uh, dedicated or I guess were you focusing on trying to get a teaching job or were you just kind of like any job is okay? It just seems like teaching is probably easiest to get. Well, teaching is definitely the, the easiest to get in China. So, and, and it's the most flexible job that you can get. Because if I went for some sort of corporate job here, the language thing is a, is a big is a big factor. And then, of course, I mean, I was reaching out to people, just networking. You're networking with uh, EC guys and stuff. But my main thing is I just wanted to get a teaching job because even the EC guys said the same thing. Just get a private tutoring job. Get a private English tutoring job. And you should be fine. So, you know, I reached out to one kindergarten, interestingly enough, and I went for an interview. My first interview, I went, I, I did pretty well. I had actually practiced a few times on another kindergarten for free. And I did pretty well, but it was like, I really had to put my ego aside. Like, you know, I'm like there singing the wheels on the bus go round and round. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can imagine you. It'd be so cute. And, you know, you dressed up in your you know, fancy suit, bow tie, singing the wheels on the bus go round and round. That's yeah, how you pick up girls. Yeah. Sing that. Oh my, oh my God! It was it was it was horrible. <laughs> it was depressing. But you know, I put my ego aside. That it was a little bit fun. You know, the kids were cute and whatever. But I just, I was just thinking to myself, is this red cool? Like, is this, is this really what we're doing here? <laughs> well, I know you got to hustle, man. You got to do what you got to do. Got to do what you have to do. Yeah. So I mean, I did my best, and I did pretty well for a person who never taught any. Like, I, I mean, I've taught pickup kind of, but I never taught in a formal setting, right? And, uh, you know, they liked me, but come to find out this is another China situation. I did the, I did a demonstration, a 20-minute demonstration. And they said, oh, yeah, you know, that was great, but uh, the person, the decision-maker isn't actually here, so you need to come back and do the same thing over and over, over again. So I was like, what? why did you have me come for the interview if the person who actually needs to see the interview was not here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's just you know that's the, the you know I was like we fucking we set up the the second interview for like the next week and at the same time Drake he got headhunted by an English private tutoring company because I put my profile up on GZ classifieds and I just said yeah you know um Studies, Hold on, uh, sorry, uh, Mocha, you, you cut out there. Can you start again with that last point? Which was? Um, after you got headhunted? Yes, because I had put my profile up on GZ class. My profile was just, hey, you know, kid from, from Toronto, just moved to China, you know, studied business administration, management, and, you know, uh, I native English speaker, so I can tutor in English, IELTS, uh, what was the other one? Uh, ESL and Business English. And then uh, the private tutoring company, I, put, I said, if you want my resume, uh, contact me at this email. 
and so the private English tutoring and my WeChat as well. The English tutoring company was a startup. Contacted me, left me a, a message on WeChat, set up an interview for the next day. I went in, handed in my resume. Uh, he told me, "Yeah, uh, can you come in and do a demo next week?" Specifically, the same day that I had to do a demo for the real uh, manager for the kindergarten job. So you can imagine, like, fuck, man. Uh, one aspect is this: me, I walk into this building, and it's in the middle of downtown Guangzhou, and it's fucking modern. It's brand new. You know, the staff are you know, a bunch of cute Chinese chicks. And I'm like, this is where I'm supposed to be. I'm seeing like LCDs everywhere, glass. <laughs> like, I'm like, nah, this is this is what I. Yeah, this, this is, is the this job. Is ball, yeah. Yeah, this, but actually, yeah, this to, to give like a, a sense of time, how long after you landed in Guangzhou was this happening? This is about three months. Three so months. I, I landed in Guangzhou in September, and in October, November, I, October I didn't really search for anything. I was just you know hustling uh, my visa stuff. November, I get my end, uh, and then at November, I'm now applying for jobs, and also like I went to Chinese, I started Chinese class as well, and then December, that's when I start getting these, I start getting responses from the jobs, right? So um, my interviews were at the beginning of November, I think, or yeah, end of November, my interviews were. So you know, I, I had the interview for the kindergarten job and the private tutoring startup on the same day. And, you know, I'm just like, I already know which job I want. So I'm like, fuck it, I'm going to do my, I'm going to try and get both jobs and then hopefully just be able to select the one that I want. And, you know, I went the kindergarten thing, I did my demo. They sat down with me afterwards. I was there with my agent. And I, you know, they start negotiating, which is uh, about four Right. Yeah, sorry, months. sorry again, Mocha, you cut out. So you said that they're going to pay you how much? They had promised to pay about $45 an hour. $45 an hour, wow. Yeah, but you would not be, it's not full-time, right? You only work about eight hours a week or something. Oh, uh, okay. But if you if you did the calculations, you're still going to be making, you know, more than enough money to live in China on eight hours something like that, or $2,000 a month, which in China you can live on a 1000 So I mean, this is a fucking, the pay would be sweet. You know, the, the job is shitty, but the pay would be sweet. So I was like, okay, you know, but then I do the thing and everything is great. And I add, but uh, we're going to start you off at 170 I was like, what the, what? Wait, oh, you start yeah. you off at 170 an hour? 170 like one dollar and seventy cents? No, 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 no. It was one hundred and seventy RMB. Oh, okay. Two hundred and fifty before. Now they said, "Oh, we're going to start you off with one hundred and seventy, and on top of that, we're not going to give you eight hours as of yet. We're going to start you off with four hours a week." <laughs> and I was like, "Wait, wait, wait, wait!" So you're cutting the pay, and you you're not going to give me the hours that you promised. You know what I said? Fuck it. I've got another interview. <laughs> you, can, you can deal with my agent. I was like, I'm, I, I need to leave. Uh, oh, we, we like you. And we teacher. We have a probation period. You know, in retro, I know that, that that's bullshit. That's just like shit that Chinese company. So I'm like, okay, I don't even have time to deal with this. So I wait, just wait. Left. Sorry. Sorry again, Mocha. Um, I have to say, you're, you're cutting in and out a lot. Like, is there any way you can get closer to your router? Uh, yeah, maybe. Is it better? No. Uh, well, you have to keep talking for a while and see what happens. Yeah, I might, I might be able to move. But, um, so, is it better? Is it okay now? Or what? Yeah, it's okay now. So, keep talking. We'll see what happens. Okay, so you're saying, like, okay, so they pretty much fucked you because they're like, yeah, we'll give you... Way less hours, way less pay, and such. And you're like, fuck this shit. Put your sunglasses on. I got to go to another interview. Deal with my agent, bitches. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, deal with my agent. So I get to the other interview. It's at, at, my, at the school that I wanted to be at. Uh, you know, I go in there, and I do, my, I do my thing. And then the guy sits me down afterwards, and he's like, yeah, that was good. That was good. You know, um, how does 
how does twenty dollars an hour sound? And I'm like, sweet, you know. And he goes, uh, he says, what we're gonna do is, we'll start you off with, I think it was uh, about it. It came out to be like a thousand, a thousand two hundred or a thousand five hundred for the month. Um, that was like really part time, like it was like fifteen hours or ten hours a week or something like this. And uh, I'm like, okay, that's great, man. Like, you know, and he said, just for the first month, because the first month will be my probation period, because I'm, I have zero teaching experience, right? Yeah. And he's like, yeah. And then literally after a week, he said, I'm going to be at every one of your classes. I'm going to be monitoring you. I'm going to be on your ass. You're going to hate me for the next thirty days. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, <laughs> actually, like, yeah. just for uh, people who want to do teaching English or try to apply for jobs. What exactly yeah. did you have to do for the uh, the trial? Did they just say, like, here's a class, go teach it, and they didn't tell you anything? This place, this place is uh, it's a little bit different. You know, uh, generally, what you're going to find in China is you go for the first interview, and they will not tell you what you're going to do. The first interview, be prepared to do a demonstration class. So just be prepared. They won't tell you the age group. They're not going to tell you that you're doing a demo. They just say, oh, come for the interview. So just be, be prepared to do a demo class and, and be prepared, depending on the school, obviously. If it's a high school, you know, it could be any grade, right, with a lesson. Um, with these guys, what they told me was, they, I went for the first interview, and he said he liked me. So he said, okay, you're going to do a demonstration class. It needs to be about half an hour, half an hour class. I need you to have content, teach the content for the first 10, 15 interesting um, make the content about, he gave me like a topic, a subject matter, and then he said, I need you to have an activity, um, an act- in-class activity, and then the last part should be an activity where you physically leave the class and walk around the school and get the students to interact. So I was like, okay, cool. So I came up with something, and you know, I went there, and I did my 30 minutes, and, and uh, you know, he told me exactly the level of English the students would be at, and uh, I think I think I, for somebody who had never taught English as a second language ever, I did pretty well, you know. So yeah, he told me he was going to be on my ass for the next thirty days, and he basically came to like two, three of my classes, and then afterwards we'd do like a, a peer review, and he would like give me some things that I need to punch up on. And after about three times, he's like, "Oh man, you you've got this. Like, how does thirty hours a week sound?" I was, like, yeah. I was like, yeah, sweet. That's that's how you do it. Fucking fucking breaking those walls down and fucking making that money. Yeah, so, you know, I guess this was the beginning of my reward stage in China. But I still had one more kick in the balls. That month, uh, end of December, um, I get my, you know, my, my salary, which was about $600. And you know my rent is three, my rent is three thirty. So like at the time, what my roommate was having me doing is I just had to pay. I paid rent in cash. So I, I literally took out like I had, you know, some other stuff that I needed to pay for. So I literally took out the six hundred in in cash. Like I received it via Western Union. So I, I took out the six hundred and I'm walking with the six hundred in my bag, no, in my wallet. Sorry. And uh, yeah, I was in the metro and I fucking. Somebody pickpocketed me. I didn't even realize it until I was hanging out with my friends. Like an hour later, I was hanging out with one of my buddies, and I, I checked for my wallet, and yeah, I didn't have my fucking wallet, right? So I lost. I lost six hundred dollars literally on the day that I received it, and I'm just like, what the fuck, you know? Like I'm in China. I don't have anybody I can really turn to. Like right now, and you know, one of my friends offered to like he just gave me some cash in terms of just to get home just to take a cab home and, and get some food for, like, the, like the next couple of days to figure out my situation. So I'm like, fuck, I'm going to damage control. I'm panicking, and, you know, I get home and uh, contacted a uh, few people, let them know what was going on, let my parents know. And uh, essentially, to make a long story short, I had to borrow the money. So less than learned. Um, I, from then, I mean, it was a stupid mistake. Like, I should not have been walking around with that amount of money on me, on my person. But, you know, it was such a situation that I did, I did, I did have, but I changed that and, you know, I had to borrow the money, I had to pay it back since. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. I, I learned from the experience, but, um, so also 
another thing that EC helped me with is this guy from EC who wanted to uh, help with sourcing. Like, he used to do sourcing, but he's had a couple of successful Kickstarter campaigns. And he, he reached out and he basically offered me a sourcing job. I, I went to hang out with him. We had a couple of beers. He liked me. The same podcast, i.e. Joe Rogan podcast. Uh, you know, tropical NBA and such. And, you know, he's kind of like, he's cool, man. Like, he's he's 32. He's been in China for like eight, eight to nine years. Just a very old, just well-rounded, cool guy. Just, you know, he's you listen to the same music, same podcasts, and he's like a mentor to me right now. So I'm, I'm helping him with uh, his Kickstarter campaign that he just launched a while ago. And he's helping me with the sourcing thing. So at the moment, you can call me like a consultant, but he's like, he doesn't want to really do anything hands-on. So he's, I'm using his reputation. I'm taking his clients. I like, I, I, like I, I consult for him. I do, I do like a case-to-case basis. So it's, it's pretty cool. And uh, I think there's a lot of potential for that going forward. So I think we can end part one. Yeah, here. that's exactly what I was thinking because uh, we're kind of at the one hour mark. So talked a lot of, a lot about Mocha's experiences. So in the next part, part two, uh, we're probably going to go more into kind of his working at the startup and what's going on because uh, maybe you want to give a bit of a preview, but you've kind of made your own job in a way you've gotten a lot of offer or you've gotten one specific offer from the company because they liked you so much and um you've also kind of i guess you kind of felt a bit out of doing an original kickstarter campaign that you were thinking of doing and now you're kind of getting back into that right yeah to a certain extent i mean the original kickstarter campaign we can talk about in the next episode I essentially, you know, I'm stacking, I'm stacking those Mr. Mouse, son. I'm stacking those mouths. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's all about, it's all about the business in this episode. So yeah, guys, uh, this will end part one of uh, Mocha's experiences in China thus far. So tune into part two if you want to hear more. All right, and you know the usual. Follow us on Twitter at RedPillGem. Any questions, comments, uh, you can send us emails. That's redpillgen at gmail.com G-E-N. and of course we have a website articles, show links it's www.redpillgen.com peace alright guys, thanks for Cheers.